First Thessalonians, please, chapter 2. When the paragraphs are divvied out between the Bible faculty, I, I never rush to sign up for one. Um, the other faculty are much greedier than I am. <laughs> they know where their Tootsie Roll sermons are, and so they sign up for those. But I do believe, without undermining what they're going to say or have said, I do believe that this segment of Scripture is pivotal to being able to be strengthened in hope. Would you, do, would you say that you do well when it comes to waiting? Waiting, looking forward to that event. First Thessalonians chapter 1, we're going to be in 2, but you're probably within the same page. Verse 1, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus, son of the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. That verse in itself makes a wonderful sermon. He then says, We give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing what? Your work of faith, your labor of love, and your patience of hope. Same word that is used, patience, in verse 10 of verse chapter 1, and to wait. One is the ability to remain under pressure. The other one is the ability to remain while looking up. So this is the record of a dynamic group of individuals who had been impacted with the gospel of Christ. They are complimented in verse 3 of chapter 1 how their spiritual journey began. For it says your work of faith. They are complimented for how they implemented spiritual growth in their lives. In verse 3, likewise, it says your labor of love. They are complimented in how they were to await the culmination of their faith, verse 3, the last part, their patience of hope. In fact, this hope factor becomes the foundational thrust throughout the book. Verse 10 of chapter 1, and to wait for the Son from heaven. So my question to us today is, how are we doing in this matter of waiting, of patience, of hope? Today is Monday, and most of us are struggling waiting for the weekend already. So I ask you if I could use this word, which is not a word for those of you in the English department. Are you a good waiter? Do you normally do well in this area? Our theme for this series in 1 Thessalonians is strengthened and hope. And as I mulled that through, I contemplated that the combination of those words strengthened and hope does not ring true to reality. The truth of the matter is, is that the longer one has to wait for that hope to be realized, the more the hope tends to fade rather than to be strengthened. And so infused with our passage today, verses 10 through 16 of chapter 2, we find some factors, I'm going to call them God's witness protection program. Some of you are probably in it. What a great place to hide witness protection programs at a Bible college. During my high school years, I depended on my father to pick me up after football practice in the fall, wrestling practice in the winter, and later on baseball practice in the spring. He would stop on his way home from work 
And most of the time, it wasn't a problem. We lived out in the country, too far to walk. But on those occasions, he'd be late on account of working late. Or traffic problems. This was before cell phones. Though we did have phones, we had just gotten to the crank phone era, but we had phones. So my father was not able to call me up and say, I'm going to be late, Steve. I would normally say, Dad's coming. On occasion, a friend of mine would say, do you need to ride home? And I'd say, no, Dad's coming. But there'd be those days when everyone had left, and I'd be the only one in the school parking lot waiting for my dad. On one particular occasion, he actually forgot me. The family sat around supper, and Mom said, where's Steve? The brother said, Steve who? Waiting is not easy, especially if there's not some internal mechanism that can override the external maladies. That's what it's going to talk about. Verse 10. Ye are witnesses, and God also, of chapter 2. Ye are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably this is their past. We behaved ourselves among you that believe. As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged so there are three things listed in verse 10, three things in verse 11, and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. Purpose statement that she would walk worthy of God. And one of the ways in which they were to walk worthy was this strengthened in hope. That she would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto this kingdom and glory. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received, past tense the word, Ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us. Ye received it not as the word of men, as clean as it was stated in verse 10, the testimony of those men. Ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is, in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you. I'm going to make a blunt statement to support it with Scripture later on. There is no ability to be strengthened in hope if the Word of God does not do what it says in verse 13 in our lives. If it does not effectually work in our hearts, there is no ability to be strengthened in hope. You're going to feel like you're being left in the parking lot every day. Verse 14, For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things. There's a compatibility going on there. So I believe this section of Scripture reveals what I call a witness protection program that is aimed to strengthen one's hope. It's possible that you're familiar with the witness protection program. The U.S. government actually has such a program where it attempts to protect a witness whose testimony is extremely vital and crucial to a case. Thus, the government does everything in its power to protect that witness. I've suspected for years that one of our faculty members are part of that. Let me just say this, that his real name is not Mr. Z. <laughs> Let me also say this concerning facial recognition. Who has grown a full beard? Let me also say, who in Wisconsin wears Hawaiian shirts? His children, government lease program. <laughs> now, Mr. Z, I waited in the back for you to come in for me to ask permission 
to slaughter you today, but I saw you coming in late, so I didn't get the opportunity to. But I felt inspired. (laughs) We're being silly, but it strengthens the idea of what a witness protection program is. Verse 10, ye are witnesses. That is our past, point number one. Verse 13, the word of God effectually, that's our present. And without a past witness protection plan and a present witness protection plan, the ability to be strengthened in hope fails drastically. So our first point is verses 10, 11, and 12. Ye are witnesses, and God also how... And now Paul substantiates his character, and I'll explain in just a bit, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believed. As you know, again, he is calling upon them to look upon their past. As you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that ye would walk worthy. So as a means of strengthening their hope, Paul is reminding them of how and where and when their faith in this wonderful account of the gospel began. Please catch this. When it comes to spiritual battles, it is paramount, it is paramount, it is paramount, it is a must that one often visit the past of their spiritual heritage. In fact, it's so important that the Bible even states in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, this do in remembrance of me, reviewing our past. Think with me. For most of this room, I would say that our past is not that clear because of childhood professions. I understand that. I was a part of that package, and I thank God for that. My mom used to say, I'm so, I used to wish that I could have gotten saved in life later in life and had a dynamic testimony to share. But she says, the truth of the matter is, I have a dynamic testimony to share because by being saved at a young age, I was spared from the wickedness of the world. But he inserts a statement here for us to understand about our professions that are in the past, our witness protection plan of the past. He says in verse 11, As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. We saw this in the previous sermon in verse 7, but we were gentle among you even as a nurse. So Paul is using some word choices to help them understand that what they got, they got from people that cared. These were not religious hucksters. These were not religious people that were there for their benefit, their own benefit, but the benefit of the kingdom of God. We may not fully comprehend all the words that are used in verses 10, 11, and 12. Look at how holily, how justly, how unblameably, or as representatives of God, it was done without flaw or personal agenda is the best way to combine those words. And so though we may not fully understand the flow of those words, we understand when the word is a father. So I'm going to list three things that Paul lists to validate the veracity of those who shared the gospel. First of all, it's Paul's character in verse 10. Secondly, Paul's compassion in verse 11. Thirdly, Paul's coaching in verse 12. And I find the character of the one who shared this Verse 10, he says, Your witnesses and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably, we behaved ourselves among you. Paul had to bring this up on account that his character was being assassinated by those who would undermine the hope of these new believers. 
The thinking was, surely if the messenger is bogus, then the message has to be likewise. My early faith came to me by means of a mother and a father who displayed and discussed the gospel. I vividly remember some specific bedtime routines when I was confronted with the personal gospel accountability factors. And I can validate that though some of that and the wording of that is fuzzy and foggy to me, I can validate that the ones who shared that to me had my interest in mind. They wanted to see this little soul get saved. They had prayed hundreds of times, I'm sure, for this. That's what Paul is trying to say. As as I am being accused as the messenger that gave you truth, please understand that I came to you with a holy agenda. I came to you with an unblameable agenda. I came to you without being accused of God. Please learn to cherish childhood professions of faith. Learn to nurture them. My early faith, substantiated by the tenacity of my parents. So I find, first of all, the character of the one who shared this faith with him. Secondly, I find the compassion. Verse 11, I've already alluded to it. As you know how how we exhorted and comforted and charged. Again, this is a series of words that speaks of, of bringing one along. How we charge every one of you as a father doth his children. Now, we all know that earthly fathers have flaws. But though we may misinterpret their levels of care, we know they care. I was a young child in Brazil, and we as a family heard news in our small town of, I'm going to guess, about 6,000 people, that the notorious thief within our area announced to publicly that on a certain specific night he was going to rob the wealthiest home in the area. Well, most people believe Americans, all Americans, are millionaires. So it was a no-brainer to us. On that particular night, my father stayed up all night, pacing the floors while carrying a baseball bat. While we slept in the house, he crept about the house. His care for us was displayed. Oh, wait. You want to know if he broke in, don't you? A story without ending. He did, the thief did not break in. He broke in across the street. Left a note to the homeowner in the house across the street saying, I would have taken your pants, but they didn't fit. <laughs> His care for us was displayed not just on that night, but in many other ways. Most fathers don't show tenderness. They show love by means of provision. And sometimes boys, girls misunderstand that. There's just that innate responsibility the father senses that I am the provider. When we go on vacation, my wife sometimes teases because I'm always checking my wallet and I'm opening my wallet and seeing how much money is in there and the cards and so forth. We were together with my son, who's the only son in our family, And his wife, my daughter-in-law, said, Luke does the same thing. Well-trained. Genetics. But his care for us was displayed, not just on that night, but in many ways. Most of us would say that it was our fathers that taught us about life. My father's the one who taught me about how to drive, how to hunt, how to check the vitals on a car, 
how to play ball, how to behave around girls, how to defend myself, how to handle money, how to work, how to live. So Paul is undergirding this and saying, please understand that as you are bombarded about the leadership that shared the gospel with you, that was not our intent. We are not those kind. I see his character, I see his compassion, I see his coaching thoroughly in verse 12, that you would walk worthy of God. Now remember, we're addressing a matter of strength and hope. And one of the surest ways is by reviewing the witness protection plan of the past. And one of the surest means of validating the merit of one's faith is what is mentioned in verse 12. And that is, is it happening? Am I walking worthy of God? But the verse doesn't, the, the passage, the paragraph doesn't stop there. It continues with verse 13, which is the thrust of this message. And that is God's witness protection program for the present. For this cause also thank we God, verse 13, without ceasing. When we receive the word of, when ye receive the word of God, that ye, re, that ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you. I want to pause. I don't think Paul is insisting that every day our devos look like verse 13. We're every day, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually. I don't think that he's stating that every chapel service that you get to, you must experience the apex of verse 13. But I think he's saying that we better experience it. The life that does not experience the effectual working of the word of God in their lives cannot, cannot remain strengthened in hope. At some point in your life, throughout the week, throughout the month, throughout what, how are you, time, time, you have to find ways in which the Word of God does effectually work. You say, well, Pastor or Dr. Love, you don't understand what it's like to live in a dorm. Sure we do. I lived in Century. In fact, the room that I live in is now the stairwell to the downstairs. Six of us lived in that little space. My second year, I lived over in the dorm closest to the brick dorm. I've been here seven years, and that's the name for that dorm. I know what dorm life is like, and then I had five kids. You can't find space for the Word of God to effectually. I make it a point that when I sing, I ask God to help me know the words. That's an effectual process. We sang the words, I think it was on the second or third stanza, the sins we hate yet crave. And I looked at that and I thought, wow, how well written, how transparent about my life. And as we sang on, I just processed that. That's an effectual working. So I ask, is God presently being allowed to effectually work in your life? A pungent statement coming up. The surest method of being strengthened in hope is not how securely we anchor our hope in the past, but how surely we harbor it in the present. You can say all your life that I was saved in 1960-something, if that's the date. And you can have it placard on your wall, and you could have it tattooed on your body. 
But if there isn't an effectual work in your life in the present, that past is going to be extremely vague to you. And you're going to have to support it, gird, undergird it with emotion rather than the realities of Scripture. Paul stated in one of his accounts, For I know whom I have believed, that's present setting, and am persuaded, present setting, that he is able, present setting, to keep that which I have committed, future tense, strengthened and hold. This is so important that within this context, Paul actually splits this divine action in twofold. One is an inward working, which is found in verse 13. The other one is an outward working in verse 14. Let's look at this first one, the inward working. God's witness protection program is not only that he protects our testimony from external assaults, but that our internal testimony validates that divine action is ongoing. Which work of the factually literally is this. It is speaking of a work that is, that is performing what it is intended to perform. And it is a working that is happening in the present tense and will continue to happen. It's not an effectual work that only occurs at camp or missions emphasis week or conference week. Three statements. The present is the platform from which the past and the future are seen more clearly. For most of us, all that is needed to have our strength, our hope strengthened is to actively allow God to work effectually in our present day life. And that solidifies the past and that clarifies the present of the future. Present, present spiritual activity affirms past tense realities. And past tense spiritual activity better sustains one to be able to anticipate future hopes based upon effectually work within us. Another thought. The hope that can shed light on the past and envision the future is the hope that is being strengthened in the present. Verse 13 is key. And if somehow we think that we can absorb Bible truth by simply being in attendance in class in chapel and not allow some points where it effectually works in us, where it does its work. If the Word of God is not presently effectually working in the believer, then something is wrong with the believer and not with the Word of God. I read in the commentary this past week some thoughts about the Word of God, and they just jumped out at me, and they may not at you. But I thought this says so much about the Word of God. The commentator said five things. And he said, well, Dr. Love, are you aware that it's seven minutes to coffee? We're okay. Some of you are nervous and jittering, but you'll be all right. They're all eyes. First, he states that the Word of God is inspired. And that seems so innocuous to people who've learned that word from childhood. It is speaking of the reality that the Word of God came to us. My wife suggested I read a book a couple of years ago written by a lady missionary in PNG, Papua New Guinea, Mary Laszlo. She went there with another partner, lady. The other lady eventually left the field, and Mary was left there alone to translate the scriptures. 
She had to learn words. She had to then learn the alphabet. Then she had to learn how to put theological words into cultural terms that made sense. It literally took years. And though I can't build it up in a short illustration, finally the manuscripts were done. In fact, it took so many years that she began the process by using boys as translators because she knew it takes so long that the death ratio there, those, if she got men, the men would have died. And she'd have to train a whole new set. Finally, the manuscripts are sent upriver. And notice is given after several months that the printed version was coming. And these people who had lived through an, a generation on their own without having full witness of the Word of God gathered on the riverbank and they began to say to each other what we should say every day at Bible time, the Word of God is coming to us today. The Word of God is coming to us today. And they sat there on that riverbank saying that to each other over and over. And I can only imagine the hope and the anticipation they had that the Word of God is what the word inspired means. Second, this commentator says it's inerrant. This is that reality that the word of God has never been wrong, never is wrong, and never will be wrong, which means if I set my hope in the word of God, as the songwriter says, I can be strengthened in it so that my hope is secure because it's based not only on an inspired word, but an inerrant word. Third, he states that the word of God is infinite which is that it is without measure. It has the ability to meet every facet of life that I face. Fourth, he states that the word of God is incisive, which means it cuts through my humanness. Lastly, he states that the word of God is inescapable. That means this. For those this morning who've chosen not to listen to the word of God effectually work in your heart, you can't get away from it. It's inescapable. I find that the word of God, as mentioned in verse 13, is not only that inward action that is given to strengthen one's hope, but I find in verse 14, Paul then speaks of an outward action, lastly. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches which are in Judea, which are in Christ, for ye also suffered like things. If today the inward affirmation of truth is not being readily seen, then at least look around and realize that God is working in the lives of other people, signifying that what Paul gave to them in the past had veracity to it. And though they may right now be in a phase of a dark cloud and they're wondering, what about my hope? And is the Lord going to return? They can at least look around and realize God is still active, though it may not seem that way in my life. Your hope will not be strengthened without God's witness protection plan. Without you saying, there are some things in my life that are a witness to my faith, and that if I don't protect them, my past, with the clarity of the gospel that was given, my present, realizing that today, this week, this month, I remember a point where God spoke to me in a message or in my devos, and it's effectually working. And if not so, I see God working here. I can assure you that you and I are going to wander away from the kingdom realities. You say, what do you mean by that? We plug ourselves into the, into the present life and not into the kingdom life. Our choices are made with now in mind. Our careers are planned with us in view. Why not? Our hope has been diffused. It's lost its strength. God is no longer working in me. Thus, 
I must find life here on earth. And I think that's key to what's going on in our culture today. Your hope will not be strengthened without God's witness protection program that is capable of validating the past, of verifying the present. If we had a quiz today, and we were just to ask you, could you tell me when was the last time that your devos worked effectually in you? Would it be this weekend? This month? We are part of a generation that no longer looks forward to the return of Christ because we're so entangled in this life because the word of God has ceased to be active, effectual in our hearts. And we are a people of supreme hope who are living like a people with no hope. Heavenly Father, I pray that your word minister to hearts. That we would yearn long to have present effectual activity in our hearts. That verifies the past. And that we would cherish that witness of our past and we would protect it. And that we would cherish those times when you choose to speak to us effectually. Where you catch us at a point in our life where we need it. And we say, yes. God met me today. We ask your blessing on this student body who so easily handles your word that we would respect it as being the inspired word of God, the inerrant word of God. And we ask this in your name. Amen.